0: 1 Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse six. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ.
1: Lord, we do thank you for this time that we share together as your people. Uh, We thank you for encouraging times, and we thank you that your word encourages us in the right way to think about life. And we pray that you'd help us to understand this passage in 1 Corinthians today. Uh, we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in the introduction, I've got the note there about uh, realising the difference. And I'm talking about whether you realise the difference between a Christian point of view and a, a point of view that's not a, a Christian uh, point of view. Christians really do think differently to the world, don't they? When I was studying at Sydney University, when I had more hair, um, I was in a class where I was learning to be a teacher of legal studies and in that tutorial group the topic came up about domestic violence which is not a very nice topic to be talking about but one of the questions that was raised in the tutorial group was why is there domestic violence in the world? And so because it was a a group where I felt like I could share some of my thoughts as well, that's what you do in a tutorial, I said well and I'm I'm giving a a Christian answer here, but I'm not saying it's from the Bible, I said that people aren't perfect. In fact, they actively sin against God and they sin against each other. And the history of the world has involved men being generally physically stronger than women and sadly some of their sin, regretfully, has involved violence towards women. And that this is a, a dreadful state of affairs and something that should be um, brought to account and there should be change. Well, I had a pretty substantial look of disgust from that group. Uh, that was not the sort of answer that they wanted to hear about the reasons why there's domestic violence in the world. Uh, language about people being imperfect, that there are being a God who we sin against and and sinning against each other, it was too much for them to take on. And I think I was probably... A bit too much for them giving that sort of answer. I understood life from a Christian framework and I was drawing on that framework to to explain some of the root of evil uh, in domestic violence situation. It grows out of people's hearts that are inclined to sin but they felt that perspective had no place, uh, that that worldview was should have been ruled out They wanted a a view of why there's maybe domestic violence that didn't involve uh, God in the picture. Their wisdom was at odds with what I took to be the wisdom of God. And sometimes it becomes very clear, doesn't it, how a Christian worldview and a Christian point of view differs from a worldly point of view. I wonder if you've ever had those situations where you found yourself at odds as well. Well, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's at odds with those who are speaking a different worldview as well. He's at odds with those who are promoting worldly wisdom. And he makes it very clear that he's got nothing to do with a worldly wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, he writes, where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? He's he's actually against the wisdom of the world. He writes, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased with the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. We preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul's distancing himself from the wisdom of the world and he's He wants to know about Christ. Even the way that Paul comes to the Corinthians, he's saying reflects God's wisdom compared to the world's wisdom. The itinerant speakers were eloquent, they they had a, a fancy way of doing things. And Paul says in 2 verse 1 that he wasn't eloquent, he didn't have superior wisdom as he proclaimed to them the testimony about God and he didn't come with wise and persuasive words. Instead, it was with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so their faith wouldn't rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Which I take it, he's saying that sometimes people are overwhelmed with the, the speaker, the power of the speaker. Of course, none of you are in that boat today, no one's going to be overwhelmed with me, and that's, that's a good thing, because that means I'm on the right track here. Paul's... Words are with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, presumably because the gospel's the thing that's cutting through. They're responding to the good news about Jesus, and hearts are being changed. That's why there's a church. And so that's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It's not because of the, you know, the power of the preacher with his loud voice and a weak point. You know? so uh, Paul's saying, not only does he distance himself from the world's wisdom, he is distancing himself from the world's ways of doing things. In some, his message is not worldly wisdom and in his approach he's not trying to bamboozle them with lofty and persuasive words like the itinerant speakers of the time. But now that he's distanced himself from this kind of way of doing things, he does say there is nonetheless, this is point one in the outlines by the way, there is nonetheless a message of wisdom to be spoken and we see that in our reference today, chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Now, there's a number of things that could be said about this message of wisdom. The first one is that it's a message of wisdom among the mature. The mature are the ones who appreciate Paul's message. Who are the mature that Paul has in mind, though? Well, it seems to be the the Christians are the mature. Uh, Later in verse 14, he describes them as spiritual people, and they're distinguished from the people of this age who do not have the Spirit of God. We'll see that later in verse 14. And so, it is a, a message of wisdom, but it's a message of wisdom among those who are mature, who appreciate it. The second point is the message of wisdom Paul has that he's a custodian of is different to that of the world. It's not the wisdom of this age, he contrasts that with the age to come, or the rulers of this age. Their their wisdom, he says, is coming to nothing. It's his way of saying the wisdom of this age is really hopeless. It, it doesn't lead anywhere. They find themselves uh, at odds with God. That's where their wisdom will get them. It's It's Paul's wisdom is different to that. The other thing that can be said about the wisdom that Paul is promoting is that it was secret and hidden and it has to do with our future. Paul has been proclaiming it. It's not though it's it's secret because it's it's spoken about behind closed doors. It's secret because it's only been revealed in these last days. It's a wisdom that God had destined for our glory by means of the cross, but it's only become clear since Jesus came to earth and lived as a man and died as the suffering servant. There's something that that people elsewhere, we read in uh, 1 Peter, even angels long to look into these things. People didn't fathom that this is how God was going to do things. It's, it's become clear now, but it once was hidden. And the exciting thing about this message is that God destined for our glory before time began. Now, God is a great preparer and before we were born, uh, He had our destiny in mind. It's, it's It's mysterious, isn't it, to think about how God might even stand in relation to time. There is mystery here. But if we are right with God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians one thirty, it's because of Him you are in Christ Jesus. And so, if we experience life with God, it's because of God's grace from first to last in our lives. And all the glory goes to God for any He may have mercy upon who experience salvation. We can't be boasting that we found God. Actually, God found us and it's because of Him that we're in Christ. So, these are the other things that can be said about the wisdom Uh, it was hidden but it's now been revealed uh, and it centers on uh, our future glory with god because of his kindness the content of this message of wisdom is bound up with the work of jesus his death and resurrection and that's what we're we're seeing uh, in verse seven in the past people didn't understand how god was going to bring about his plans and paul's at pains to note that the rulers of the age didn't understand it. Uh, He knows that they didn't understand it because if they understood this is how God was going to save, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And so there is some irony here, isn't there, that uh, worldly wisdom that has no time for God and the rulers who are rebelling against God, Pontius Pilate, Caiaphas the high priest and Herod, these people who have no time for God end up carrying out God's will for the salvation of many people. God destined for our glory before time began and their actions are used to bring about the salvation of many people. So, there's a kind of an irony, the wisdom of the world has nothing to do with God, but ultimately God uses it to bring about His plans and purposes. The next thing we can say, say about uh, God's wisdom is that it's been revealed to Christians by God's Spirit. We, we understand something of God's wisdom because of the Spirit. Uh, verse 9, we read... However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind, human mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The rulers of this age didn't understand it. Um, they, didn't under, they didn't comprehend what God's got in, in mind for his people. But if we understand it, it's because... God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. And this is actually the main point of the passage and we'll we'll come to this point in due course. But what can we say about application here? Well, the first thing to note is that God's plans have become clear. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, uh, we're celebrating God's means of bringing about our salvation. It's not something that we might have thought up Um, but Jesus was not only the Son of God, the Messiah, he was also the suffering servant who comes into the world and lays down his life for our sins. And that's not something that Paul expected either. He, on his Damascus Road experience, before that he was persecuting the church, but when he meets the risen Lord Jesus, he starts to realise that God's plans have become clear, that, that Jesus was actually the Messiah. He fulfilled Isaiah 53, that he was pierced, for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. So, so Paul starts to realise that God's plans have become clear and we we can appreciate that too and that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, Paul has received God's wisdom and so have we. We'll pick this up in verse 10 following. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit... but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Paul knows the wisdom of God, and so do we, because God's revealed it to us by His Spirit. Paul's using some logic here of an analogy that like is known by like. Now, we could have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, so, if you're getting a little bit bored there, we're, we're going to pop into a bit of an illustration. Uh, at the human level, I know what I'm thinking, and you'll know more of me and what I'm thinking if I reveal it to you. That's true, isn't it? That's how we get to know each other. We, we share things, and and as I share, um, you get to know how crazy I am, and you get to know more of me, and that's just the way that people get to know each other. If we don't share, if I don't reveal things to you, you don't get to know me very well. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, now, y- even if you've watched all of the waves that I've caught since I was a little boy, right, right up to the time that I've become the surfer that I am today, um, y- you still might not know which was my favourite wave, would you? You could, you could have a videotape of all the waves that I've caught, but you still wouldn't necessarily know which was my favourite wave unless I told you which was my favourite wave. Where's Julia? Is she in the house? Oh, there she is, yeah. It was back in 1993 with your brother, actually, at a place called Engarry. I just thought I'd tell you this so you don't sit there and guessing which was my favourite wave. I just want to complete the circuit here. Uh, I got a big tube ride and I got eaten by the wave at the end of it, but it was, a, it was a really good wave, 1993. Okay, that was it. But when it comes to God's spirit, God's spirit knows God. Being God himself, he, he knows God. Just as we know ourselves, God's Spirit knows God. And God's Spirit makes known God's wisdom to Paul and to people like us. God's Spirit knows God and makes God known to us. And Paul says in verse 12, And what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So, God's Spirit knows God... And that's how we know God too, because we've received that Spirit. The point here is, if we understand anything of the Christian message, if we appreciate that we are people who are imperfect, who who need to get right with God, if we understand that Jesus died for sins and rose again, if we understand that message of God's wisdom, it's because the Spirit of God has worked in in our hearts so that we can understand what jesus has done and we can appreciate that he's done that for us paul says it's because of god's spirit that he's enabled us to understand what god's freely given us and god's spirit makes the difference in our lives doesn't it Uh, we know this when we talk with the people of the world sometimes how communication is sometimes uh, at odds when i was working um, as a chaplain for about nine years I w- had some fairly uh, healthy conversations with at least one particular staff member uh, who I even went fishing with him in the Hastings River, and we spoke about the deep things of God. And he found it hard to come to terms with some of the perspective that I was bringing about the good news of salvation from sin that comes through Jesus. And he wanted to argue with me about. Some of the bible stories that he thought were pretty stupid you know he told me that the story of the flood was a pretty stupid story and i had to remind him that well the the message of that story is that god knows not only how to make a world he also knows how to judge the world and we're going to be anticipating the warning that there's also going to be a a judgment day to come we've got it now's the time to get right with god well our communication broke down to some extent uh, because what I thought was true and valuable in life, uh, he, he thought was uh, not. Uh, he didn't like the things that I thought were God's mercy to us. And I'm sure you might have similar situations that you can recall in life where communication seems to be like ships in the night. People maybe ridicule what you think. The amazing thing was that he still didn't, didn't seem to mind me. He was quite happy to be friends with me and talk to me at barbecues and hang out. Uh, But we certainly saw life quite differently. And you know, the uh, intriguing thing about this story, there is something intriguing about it, is I probably would have been just like this guy, uh, except for the Spirit of God working in me as well. Isn't that remarkable? I probably would have had similar perspectives to this bloke and, and thought about life in the same kinds of ways, except the Spirit of God's made a difference in my life, so that I accept the things that are revealed in His Word. And ultimately, it's the, the Spirit of God that makes the difference uh, in our lives. And so, when we have communication differences, that's, there's, there's a spiritual battle that's going on that helps to explain why we see life differently. Well, do we accept God's wisdom? This is, uh, the section now is in 14 to 16, I'll read that. The person without the Spirit Paul makes it clear the reasons why people don't accept the wisdom of God. This wisdom of God he's talking about is the gospel, the message of the cross and life that comes through Jesus. And it's because the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. If people don't have the Spirit of God working in their lives and in their heart, the kinds of things that we're talking about, about life through Jesus, forgiveness, and a bright future with God in glory forever, all of those things, um, they're like Spanish to them. I mean, that's fine if you know Spanish, but most, I don't think most people here know Spanish. It's like my friend in the boat. Uh, he didn't have the Spirit of God, and so in some ways the rest is history. Um, he didn't accept the things that I was talking about. That was confusing to him. Well, Paul accepts that um, people are going to see the world differently through worldly wisdom eyes, and that's going to be uh, a different kind of language to what he's speaking. But he goes on to make the case that Christians have a legitimate point of view to offer in life. You see that in verse 15. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Now I don't think Paul's saying that Christians know everything about everything, Uh, that's just not true, but I think what he's saying is that Christians don't need to feel the heat of worldly criticism and worldly arguments about life and truth, Christians can understand that they're living with God's authorised view of life, they're living with a a God-centred perspective where we acknowledge this is God's world that Jesus is the king as we've sung and that those who think differently might judge Christians but they're the ones who are actually ultimately going to find themselves on the other side of God's judgment. He says in verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? He's, he's possibly picking up on this idea that those, these people with their worldly wisdom want to be standing in judgment of God. They might think they're so wise that God needs to be taken aside and given a good talking to, thinking that somehow God has messed with the wrong human. They're going to have something to say to God. Well, these people need to understand 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25 that says, "...the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength." People might start boasting that they're wise and that God should be taken aside and given a good talking to about how to run the universe, but they've got to remember they're actually the ones who are going to be judged by God. They won't be doing the judging. Instead, Paul reminds us that we're in a different space. He and we have the mind of Christ. That's how we think of the world, through, if you like, the lens of Christ. Language is a funny thing, isn't it? Do we speak a different language to the world? There is the language of chess, the language of love. Uh, I'm sure there's computer languages. Some people describe maths as a type of language, one that I'm not very proficient in. And there are, of course, different dialects that people speak. But does it ever appear to you that we communicate to the world in a different language about life, And the basis for our language is the mind of Christ. That as we speak and as we live and talk and think, the language we speak is the Christian language. That's that's our language in life. Jesus is at the centre of our lives. He's made us and saved us and we'll enjoy being with him in glory. And as we live, we have to accept that other people don't see life that way and that they speak a different language. And yet we've got to be remembering that um, that's okay, we actually speak the authorised language. There is no accent to our language. That's a bit of a joke when you talk to the Americans and the, they've got an accent, don't they, the Americans? And of course the New Zealanders have an accent and the English, they have an, the good thing about speaking Australian is there is no accent. <laughs> but in actual fact, God's language is the one that's the authorised one. It's the language there is no a- accent. Everything that moves away from God's worldview is a deviation. And we've got to maintain the, the mind of Christ in our lives, even when others part company with that. Well, I shared with you the story at the start of my sermon about my time at uni in the tutorial. The people in that group wanted an explanation for life, for, for bad things in life. But they wanted an explanation that left God out of the picture, and they wanted a higher view of humanity. As far as they were concerned, they didn't want God's angle on life, and their wisdom was at odds with the wisdom that's been shared with us this morning from God's Word. But we've got to remember, friends, that this is God's world. And the only wisdom that's worth having is His wisdom, and we're, we're kidding ourselves if we think we know better than God. And so may God strengthen us this week as we hold on to all the treasures of wisdom that are found in Christ, as we continue to understand the mind of Christ uh, from God's Word and seek to live out our lives uh, with the knowledge of God that's given to us in the Gospel. Let's, let's continue to live with God at the centre of our lives. Well, I'll close in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Our Lord God, we do give you thanks for the good news about Jesus, that uh, he came into the world, lived as a man and died for our sins to give us new life with you. We give you thanks that uh, you've worked in our hearts to open our eyes to to see the sin in our hearts and our need for a saviour. We give you thanks that you've called us and drawn us to yourself, that we might put our trust in him as our Lord and saviour and live not for ourselves, but for your glory. Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen us as we seek to live your way with your view at at the centre of life, Um, thinking of you as you've revealed yourself to us in the Bible and and thinking about how we should live as your people in response. And so we pray that you'd strengthen us today and uh, as we seek to live as your people, honouring you. Lord, we give you thanks that we can uh, share the Lord's Supper now together and remember... Uh, your hidden plans which have been made known in these last days as jesus came and became the suffering servant who bore our sins we give you thanks for this word that reminds us you've revealed these things to us through your spirit and we thank you for your grace in doing that we pray for these things in jesus name amen
0: Thank you for that message, Peter. I think that reminding ourselves that um, we speak a different language sometimes is good when we're talking to non-Christians and we should have grace for them because they don't always understand what we mean and we can pray for them. So let's remind ourselves of that this week and let's stand and sing to God be the glory.